right, we're live. Welcome to Joyfulness Broadcast. And today I've got Jermaine from Future Theory in Canberra. We met through LinkedIn, I think, and then just, I don't know, ended up, I made a podcast. We made a podcast together. Now we're making another podcast together. So I'll let you say any introductory words that you'd like to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, glad to be part of this, Nick. Thanks that, thanks for having me, and good to see that you've sort of joined the, joined the podcast bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I sort of mentioned to you, I think you were, way back episode, three or four of our podcast, and now we're on to about the forty second episode. Um, so you know, it's been a bit of a journey since since we've chatted, but um, yeah, really excited to hop on board and have a chat and. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Sweet. So you had a cool, cool topic of joy building businesses around joy kind of, or how how would you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think sometimes, uh, people forget that the, a business exists first of all, to create value, but often that value creates joy and the way I see it, businesses, role um almost any business is to create to cultivate to motivate um to sort of bring out joy out of out of their clients out of what they do out of their products whatever it may be because um it's a very powerful emotion and it's something that we are driven by and we seek um so it sort of falls in nicely within a businesses no matter what they do it's sort of at the core of every business, in my opinion. To create joy and to create more joy in their work, workers and the exactly. people that they serve as every, well. Every aspect, um, you know, yes, okay, like at the end of the day, a, a business has to create profits as well. Mm. Um, but I think that's almost muddying. It's not, it shouldn't be the number one goal. Um, we've... I think over the years we've seen a lot of examples where businesses chase just profits um, and they lose sight of, of what they're trying to do, which is to create joy and to create things that create joy. Um, and then they just get, they just fall apart a little bit. They just slow down their growth or they just get a bit undone when they lose sight of that. Mm. And how, how do you find that um, the line or how do you find that balance between joy and because as a business it is, in your interest to create profits, <laughs> but how do you also balance uh, joy and happiness? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said that um, it's something that I've got a complete grasp on yet. Um, mm. Just because there was this time where I didn't want to charge people, and not because not because the the work wasn't worth it. It was just because I felt it felt almost like again like just doing something wrong because I was doing something that created joy that they were happy and I was really happy and I was getting so much enjoyment out of it. It almost, I don't know, bringing money into it sort of made things feel a bit wrong. Um, But what I've come to realize and I realize more every day is that money is again, an important part of this whole picture. Um, But money is a tool that will let you, that will assist you, keep making more joy and creating more joy 
so that's how I see sort of money playing playing a role within all this. Um, because you look at like I was listening to Bill Gates uh, this morning. He was talking. He'd spoken to Ellen about COVID nineteen, what's happening around us. Um, and I just couldn't help but giggle, but when he sort of managed to fit in Microsoft Teams in there, which is like a Microsoft product, and I was like, <laughs> you know, he was like, oh, you know, it's we've all we've all gone virtual. We're we're using our phones to call people. We're talking to people on Microsoft Teams, and I was like, you know, he's a businessman. He's he's still sort of a businessman, um, but you know, two minutes after that, he was talking about how they've they put up a hundred million US dollars um, as soon as COVID nineteen sort of became a thing back in February. Um, and for him, it's really like all this, like he's amassed so much wealth. Um, I'm fairly sure he fell down the ranks of the richest people in the world because he gave away so much of it, mm. you know? So it's clearly a tool. Um, he has instilled so much change. His organizations uh, invest more into the betterment, into the eradication of, of disease than anyone else in the world. I'm fairly sure than anyone in history has. So it's clear to me that money plays an important role within business um, and businesses are there for profit, but you, you've, you use that as a tool and you continue to create joy and you end up with this perfect sort of pot, this melting pot of, of success the way I see it. Mm. Cool. I'd love to go into your, your, you mentioned how there was like resistance around money before, and now there's this kind of evolved um, perspective on your end of using it as a tool and seeing it's kind of the intentionality behind how you use it and how, how that has changed. So you're seeing it more now as a way to kind of help everyone along the way as you accumulate it. It's, it's like, um, I guess it's like petrol or fuel. Mm. Um, and, and the role of fuel is very simple. The role of fuel is to power, uh, a machine power a motor and keep pushing it along um, and the way i I see money is is just like a fuel a fuel that lets us continue to run and in in turn help more people create more joy and more lives and then help those people again reach out further and create more joy and help more people hmm. um, so it's it's like every time every person that we can help it's like we have this huge can of petrol and we can just top up their petrol a little bit more and that petrol just happens to be money because money is what what's required to keep everything just happening um it's just it's just how it sort of works um but i've just come to that realization that um and and you know this this has been a long time in the making but that that as a business money has to be one thing that we're serious about. Um, there was a time where I would, I would take a week or two to invoice a client, even though we've delivered on a product because I was just, you know, umming and ahhing. I was like, okay, like we've got to charge them. Like, it's not that they can't afford it, but I had this very funny relationship with it, but now I just see it as a tool that I can top up other people's engines, so to speak, and just let them run. And, um, and it's we're just trading so when it comes to charging someone we say hey can i get some petrol yes okay we can top up our tanks we can keep going we can then top up other people's tanks because we suddenly have a have more 
um, petrol in the tank than we initially had. And just the, the goal is to not run out of petrol. <laughs> That's a really cool analogy, really cool way of looking at it, just as petrol, not really overcomplicating it. Hey, it's just some petrol. We need it. Otherwise, how are we going to do our job? <laughs> that, that's it. And, and, you know, people, people out there have like a funny relationship with money, but I think um, people I'm sure have funny relationship with petrol as well. But, but if you think of most people, the average person doesn't sort of go, Oh, you know, what do you mean you're going to the petrol station? Like there's no, there's no, nothing dirty about it, but I think um, we've skewed money to be this almost dirty thing. So, you know, if you're talking about going to the bank to withdraw money or chucking more money in the bank, it's just this sort of, Oh, you know, who are you trying to show off to? Or like, it's just got a bit of a funny connotation around it. So petrol may be, maybe an easier way to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. So, well, really with Bill Gates, I mean, I'm watching a, it's called the men who built America uh, about like uh, Vanderbilt and I should really know their names. I've just watched it. Carnegie uh-huh. and yep. um, Ford Rockefeller, the people who are we, who built everything we have They're crazy rich. I mean, these people are crazy rich. They were talking about how much they're worth right now. And it'd be like the equivalent of like all of them together, like more than a trillion today, like mm-hmm. way more than all, all our billionaires these guys were crazy rich, crazy monopolies. And it's really interesting because what I was seeing was there was this, they were driven really by the lust for power and, but also by like creating a name for themselves. And that was the thing at the time. But then you could see how that eventually, I mean, towards the later, their later life, they then became the world's first philanthropists. Um, who may invested hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in, uh, like public libraries, all that stuff. And they, yeah, it's really, I think, yeah, you're like in terms of like dirtying money, it's easy to like see it that way. But when you put yourself in the shoes of whatever was going on at the time. So back then, like that's just how things were done. And that, that, that's it. And, and I think at any point in history, um, they talk about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of those guys, I'm sure there's these, there's people who raise their hand up and say, but they killed all these native people or they underpaid people, they overworked people. But at any point in history, the those parameters change. You know, what we deem as a good working day today um, is different even to what some some European countries deem as a as a good working day. You know, the fact that we have, say, an hour for lunch in the middle of the day, they're looking at it going, we've got two or three hours and we can go home and have a nap and then come back to work. So... I think people look at money as this thing, this tool that was used to say underpay people and then get rich off it. And then, cause I've heard the claims of, Oh, what do you mean? Like Bill Gates? Yeah. He made all that money, but he screwed all these people over. And then now he's giving the money back and, you know, sending it to Africa, et cetera. But then there are all these people who were paid minimum wage, but like people just forget that at any given moment, what what sort of floats the boat and what's acceptable is very much this arbitrary thing that the mm. general populace deems to be the parameters. Yeah. Right. Like, like how much you're paid, if you're paid say a hundred thousand dollars a year, that is impressive if the average wage is 50,000, but if everyone's getting paid a hundred thousand, no one cares. It doesn't really like that's, that's all it is. It's just the parameters that we all set. Mm. Well, context yeah um i think that's that's the key one that um people forget about context how it's easy for us to 
Okay, so take like even like outsourcing to China, for example, and you have child mm-hmm. labor, child labor. Okay, so from our context, wow, how, that's horrible. But in the context of that place, then these children are now bringing in new sources of income to their family that they would otherwise not have. Um, so it's really people, it's easy to vilify when you aren't in those, in those people's shoes. Um, same thing with the, uh, for me, the Carnegie's and all these filthy rich absolutely but they're so incredible because i mean the it's like that that the stuff that they did was never done before they built entire industries that were never they innovated like crazy it's insane what they did they were so ruthless but like that's just what was needed at the time and yeah it seems that that's kind of painted this weird relationship with money i mean like you said, it's just a thing, you know, it's just how we, yeah. and, and I guarantee, I mean, yes, there are a lot of people out there who believe that everyone should just have equal amount of wealth and so on and so forth. But fact is we've got to be motivated by something and money is what makes everything happen. So that's just the most valuable commodity, I guess you could call it that, that people trade and that's just what you trade and what, what you're motivated by. And, um, and, you know, yes, okay, people can people get tainted by it, but there's all sorts of stuff that people get tainted by that's, you know, <laughs> that's not just money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with money and everything with the intention of the person, you know, it's tainted. If they, if they want to do something malicious, then they're either going to, they're going to do it through one medium or another, you know, using money or not. Yeah, so it's interesting because I've definitely had a strange relationship. I still have an ongoing relationship with money. <laughs> yep, hey, same here. Yeah, like I, I mean, personally, I'm, I, I'm interested in playing around with the gift-based economies and stuff like that. Just different kind of seeing what other kind of relationships with money humans can have. But it's really, actually, it's not to do with money, having said that. Because um, for me, well, so when I do gift-based stuff, it's, you pay as much as you want or you pay nothing at all, but that actually Mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with money for me. And it's more, it's more just for me, my intention with that is just faith and trust. And just like that, that is what I value personally. I value to be able to use that as an opportunity to actually test whether I'm able to, to like walk my talk (laughs) and Mm -hmm. actually have like place the, my livelihood in the hands of other people like am i able to that's really fun for me that's really fun so it actually has nothing to do with um with money per se it's just again like my intention behind the money and i can totally see how right now the the world that we live in the economy that we live in just how everything is right now like you say you just need that fuel that fuel um to conduct business and then you know, serve others. I think that's where the joy comes from is from, from serving others. Is that, is that how you see it as well? Exactly. Well, completely. Um, it's serving others. It's, it's adding value to other people's lives. Like you talk about, um, all those, you know, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, the Vanderbilt's, and at some point in that journey, in, in, when you look at the flow and effects of what they did, they were creating joy. They were creating entertainment. They were, um, even if it is, you know, okay, maybe they underpaid their staff, 
But the fact that that staff got money that they can then go spend on the weekend and buy their kids ice cream, there is, there has to be, in, in my opinion, value creation is, is more often than not is joy creation. Um, even if you think about Apple's products, everyone talks about iPhones, for example, you know, they make billions of dollars or trillions of dollars in profit, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's instilling some level of joy within you. Now there can be arguments around, you know, that joy is, um, is a bit, bit contorted. And then, you know, I've heard thought things like, uh, people, you know, phones create joy yes but it's not the right type of joy and it's creating addictions and so on and so forth but that doesn't remove the fact that it's joy that's created in my opinion hmm. oh so this is an interesting one is joy created so for, from from where i'm from where i see things it, joy is within everyone already and mm-hmm. it's not something that's outside of anyone so with that in mind is joy created or is it nurtured or I, I like the value creation so to create value for other people to create value give other people that i mean that's what companies and in the startups that's what it was all about yeah providing value so here's an interesting one what when are there instances where that value creation is not aligned with joy or is it ah <sighs> uh... Good question. I can't think of any any instance where value creation doesn't align with with joy at at some at some point um, within within that I guess that ripple effect that 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 service or product has. Mm. I, I don't know if you can come up with a good example that doesn't though. Well, I think I, I the way I see it is it's a it's not really the value creation is, is more of like a convenience creation is how I would see it. Is convenience, not joy though. On one level, on one level, convenience is joy on another level. It's an obstacle to joy. I mean to on one level to have a new iPhone, it's cool. But on another level, if you keep buying the newest level of iPhone, you, I mean, it really hasn't contributed to your, to your happiness. It's just maintaining the status. Has it? Well, hasn't it though? <laughs> this is, this is a very, very, very good, good point because in, in my opinion, and, and don't get me wrong, uh, I'm in the marketing field, but I have this very interesting slash weird relationship with consumerism mm. because um it's something that drives the world, but it's something that I don't like to cater to, but it's something that I sort of have to focus on as a business person and having a business. Um, But the way I see it, you know, okay. I I think, I think you, you have a point in that you're almost manipulating this happiness slash joy um, and manipulating the human mind to like, want the new latest new iphone like a drug but i don't think you can look past the fact that happiness slash joy is what is created now whether that is you you sort of got to be careful um i guess because you can blame the thing that creates it but it doesn't mean that that what is the emotion that is created isn't created if you get what i mean um 
just like drugs can create joy. I'm not into drugs. So I wouldn't encourage that, but I can't look past the fact that it creates joy within someone's life. Good or bad, different story, but it's happiness, it's joy, it's fulfillment. And in that moment, in that headspace, they're happy. Yeah. Oh, this is, in, this is cool. So <laughs> you, you are in that marketing field. And so the way I see it is that everything is, I see everything as neutral. So let me just explain. I mean, that everything doesn't have inherent value in of itself. Like the newest mm-hmm. iPhone doesn't yep. have any value in of itself. No. The newest product, whatever that product might be. There's no well, value. Well, nothing, in it. Even money inherently yeah. has no value. Yeah. And it's only the value that I would call it glamorized. It's the glamorized value, which is either, which is projected onto it by the person and by the society. So for me, joy, there is a joy, like the constant joy is where is, is from within and it has nothing to do. It's basically when you've withdrawn all the glamorized projections Mm-hmm. And so you don't need anything outside of yourself because well, why would I want the latest iPhone? What do you mean? <laughs> um, you've withdrawn all the projections and it's within you now. So you, you're not interested in the latest consumer product. You just don't want it. Like it's nice if you have it. It's all right if you don't. There's no drive to get it. But since there's no drive to get it, what's the economy going to run under? <laughs> so... <laughs> You, you, yeah, you touch on something that I was going to bring up as well is, is you look at, you know, um, it's, it's when you talk about joy and happiness and the, the things that are wrong to create happiness and the things that you're driven by, I, I think, I think drive is very, very closely, uh, at least when you generally talk, you, you talk about drive and, and happiness usually because, you know, you shouldn't be driven to be rich. You should be driven to help people or, or you shouldn't be driven by the money when you're a doctor. You should be driven by curing people and so on and so forth. Um, but then you touch on, you know, the fact that there's, it's, it's, it's projected, right? Um, and I just, the way I see it, it's like this, it's, it's like a bunch of, just layers that have that have been layered on. And if you strip it all back, in my opinion, there's sort of nothing left. So it's all neutral, like you mentioned. So we sort of have to play the game because the things that are projected and the things that society has been driven to sort of run by um, are required. It's just it's just part and parcel because you remove all that, you strip that back, and you're left with nothing. That's hmm. that's sort of so- how I I so see that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you, you know, as I mean, you just have to, I totally see that. Like you have to see things as they are right now. That's the thing. You have to play the game. <laughs> that's yeah. just what it is. So is there a way to integrously project onto things? Because the way I see it, most of advertisement, for example, advertisement, 90% of it is non-integrous. Like it's false. Mm-hmm. In that, okay, so you have an actor going on saying this product is great, I use it. Straight away, they're lying. They don't use it. They don't know what's going on mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. So, whereas if you can, you know, if you got, but then 
if you have a real customer that actually has been positively influenced by that product and you advertise that, then that's integrous. Then that's integrous. It's the mm -hmm. same thing as like, I can't, I don't have one on the top of my head, but like kind of like the base of advertisement is have this and then you'll be happy. Is there yeah. a way to, is there a way that you see where you can be like, I mean, if I was an advertiser, I probably wouldn't make a very good advertiser. I'd be like, <laughs> do whatever you want. Or I just, I think you'd stick to, I would stick to the most accurate way to position something, you know, this can support your happiness or this can, if you want this. Yeah. But then you go down this trap, I think of, um, because there are a lot of, a lot of things in life that where I said there are a lot, there are a lot of uh, parts of your life where you sort of go, this would be the right way to do it. Um, but you realize that actually, okay, this is the right way to do it. But then everyone else has kicked it up a notch and you then got to start playing the game. Like, okay, you mentioned actors. Yeah. The actor doesn't, doesn't use it. But then if everyone else is, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're uh, Nespresso and you may, you have, I think George Clooney advertises um, yeah. Nespresso um, and let's say you're, you're um, um, another company, let's call it, uh, fantastic coffee and fantastic coffee wants to come into the market and they're sort of looking at it going, okay, how do we, we need to basically upstage Nespresso. Um, them just going, you know, look, these are real customers. They think coffee tastes really good can very quickly be undone. Um, because, because what Nespresso is really, really, um, hedging their bets on is almost like this, this transitive property, right? Of George Clooney is really cool. George Clooney has a whole bunch of movies. George Clooney drinks this product. The therefore, you All know, the the calculation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, calculation equals Nespresso is cool. And the thing is, we whether we're wired to do it like naturally, or whether we've been conditioned to do it, humans will look at that and go. At least a sub sub set of humans will look at it and go yeah like george clooney equals cool movies george clooney's in equals cool <laughs> <laughs> drink george therefore george clooney drinks this product equals cool now you take that to another market let's say um the middle east and they'll they might look at it and go who, who what it's just some actor from america as, as far as i can tell don't care so so it's all just everything that we've got is just layers and layers of transitive. The way I see it is just, just, just layering on inherent value that doesn't exist. So you're just putting it on and masking it on and putting a new, new layer and another new layer and another new layer. And you end up with products that can be, that can charge a lot more versus another identical product and so on and so forth. Hmm. So it's all just the, the glamour game. Yeah. Oh, we've just made it up. <laughs> we've just made it up. We just, we yeah. just prop it up. I mean, one thing I think about all the time is, is money, right. And currency. And you look at how currency like ebbs and flows and so on and so forth. It's all just a very intricate layered, you know, series of events and series of layers that, that result in X value for the Australian dollar, X value to the US dollar and X value US versus Australian dollar, so on and so forth. Our whole 
a whole existence is just a matter of layering stuff that there are layers of don't care. There are layers of fluff. There are layers of doesn't even matter, but there's just, you know, like there's someone, someone might chuck on a product might have seven years of warranty and you sort of go, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to buy that because it has more warranty than the other product. But the truth of the matter is that it's a, it's a product that you will use up and replace in two years anyway. So it doesn't even matter, but we instill values within certain things, within layers of something that make our whole end worth much greater. Well, that sounds like a really fun game to me. <laughs> it sounds quite <laughs> like a comedy. I mean, if one, once, once people are aware of it, people are aware of it. Yeah. That's... Oh, I think, I mean, See, I think I'm very aware of it, mm. but I also just, whether I'm playing the game or whether I'm like, and when I say play the game as well, it's not in a negative way. It's just, yeah, or, or just do I keep up the act or do I, do I partake in this activity that we all call life that, that like, yeah, you can pick different things, but it's, it's, it's the same reason why, you know, you can pay $5,000 for a watch and you can show it to someone else and they can go, is it a $10 watch? Like it's a watch. Who cares? You know, that's, but, but, but it is, 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 does that watch currently, you know, suddenly lose its value when you show it to someone who doesn't realize its value? Is its value fake? Like hmm. that's, that's what it all comes down to. It's all just layers of stuff yeah yeah it's just all a lot of different layers a lot of fun well i guess you could just say you're it, it's just how things are that's just the parameters that are in place in your i think i think it is it's just human nature and we've now found ways of getting human nature on steroids and we've had hundreds of years of layering stuff on that no one knows what it is like to strip that back anymore because it's all built on like layers and layers of stuff that it's just so caked on that that's it. You know, it's like a wall that has been painted a hundred times over. You can't, you you don't know what the real color is no matter how many times you sort of sand it back. It's always going to be some color that may not be its real color. Okay, so bringing it back to joy, mm-hmm. where's that? Where's that line? Um, it seems like there's a difference between giving someone satisfaction with having met a certain layer, glamour, having that glamorized thing, and then cultivating within them or helping real joy that's not dependent on, not depending on them getting the latest iPhone item thing keeping up with the latest trends whatever the latest trends of glamour whoever the latest Clooney is <laughs> mm-hmm. so is there is is there a difference in your eyes between giving satisfaction like giving someone satisfaction as in that that is value giving them value and then helping them create a joyful life see i think Did we, I mean, what, what would you, how would you differentiate satisfaction and joy? I don't, I don't know that you can. Okay. Well, for me, the core is joy is, 
in this context, just it's a state of a state of being that is independent on anything. Whereas satisfaction is more, it's the satis, it's the, it's temporary. It's the temporary satisfaction that then goes back to the baseline. So there's like a baseline happiness. Someone has a product. There's maybe a little, little, little kick up and then they go Mm -hmm. back to the baseline. So I would call that kick up satisfaction. Whereas joy, I would say is like core baseline. How can you move that core baseline of happiness up rather than constantly feeding a cycle of satisfaction? Does that make sense? Right, right, right. So there's a baseline that is joy that is somewhat independent to a baseline that is happiness with peaks or with sort of upticks that tend to be satisfaction and I guess downticks of dissatisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. So I see joy as that like constant is like strip away everything you have right now, strip away everything you do. Who are you left with? What would you do in isolation? If you had absolutely nothing to do that baseline is like what I would say your level of joy. It's not very popular for it to be in a, in a state where you can just be joyful without being able to do anything. But I, I don't know if this is going to just ruin everything that we've talked about, but I don't know that you can have joy if you strip everything back. If you strip back all the... Everything around you. And like, if, if it's just you and uh, just a vacuum. You and a va- Just you. In, in a vacuum. I, not a vacuum cleaner. In a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> in... in they're not even an island. I know that that whole thing is like, what if you dumped in an island? Will you be really happy? No, forget. No island. No, no sunrise. No sunset. No beautiful beach. Um, beach air and water. It's just nothing. I don't know that you can have joy because because it is so dependent on everything else. Okay, I'm not sure about the vacuum, but. What about for the example of a room, a home, um, where the lockdown, let's say you're alone mm-hmm. and let's just, let's just for the sake of the analogy, say you're, you don't have any outside contact with anything. So mm-hmm. you, it's just you by yourself in your home, um, just to make it more like practical so mm-hmm. I can talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's you alone. You have no products around you. I mean, you can twiddle your thumbs and you can, you've got, let's just say you've got no Netflix. You've got no Netflix. Yep, you've got no TV. Watch. Yep. You've yep, got no internet. No, no phone. No, internet, no phone. It's just mm-hmm. you alone in your house. Got nothing to do. There's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to be in a state of joy there? I don't believe so. I think I'm just thinking to that position and thinking, okay, what can someone draw joy from? And uh-huh, if they uh-huh. can. So that's, right? that's it. So draw joy from, I think that's the, the, the key here um, is that we're speaking about different things. Actually, we're just calling it the same thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I'm saying joy is you're not drawing it from anything. It's more mm-hmm. like, whatever you do is painted in that joy. It's coming from within you. Whereas satisfaction is drawn from things because it's dependent on that thing. It's dependent on expectation being 
checked but, up. But, but how can George, like, see, I think everything that we talk about is relative, like everything. Like, I mean, the English language is, is, is relative. Like everything that we talk about is relative, right? So relative to our own experience or a multitude of factors relative to what the baseline of what, what the general consensus is relative to our own experiences, relative to things that we've read, so on and so forth. And I guess the question for me, from me to you is, okay, you, you're supposed to draw joy or sorry, you're supposed to be joyful, but it's just you in a room. I think that is inherently near impossible because you know humans are very social creatures no matter who you are like i'm the first person to raise my hand up and say totally introvert i mean i'm in this is not a big office it's about a hundred square meter office and i'm in it by myself during the day and i love just being an introvert you know being just me um Mm -hmm. for eight to ten hours um but but at the same time you need human interaction so i don't know like how how does that joy exist um well it's so you just be with yourself and i mean this is what it is from my point of view you just i find it's very joyful to just be alone you leave but what do you do like nothing the most joyful is when i do nothing and when i just be it's not necessarily easy sometimes because i can always sense there is the human i would call it it's the the human tendency to experience just do anything. I mean, I've been noticing it. I'm just sitting and then suddenly there's a tendency to want to do something, anything, cook, um, move my hands, move my feet. I'm in stillness. There's a, there's this like tendency to want to experience. But when you, if I persist in my stillness, then there's a natural joy that just arises of its own and doesn't have anything to do with me. And it's quite transcendent and um so that's what (laughs) interesting yeah (laughs) because i guess i couldn't i don't think i could imagine such a part of me i think part of me is is part of it for me is that that i do think joy is something you you sort of you can draw upon you can you can you can push, you can embed, you can move it around, you can you can give it to people, you can get it from people and objects, um, and so there's sort of, I guess this fundamental difference in in how we see it. Just because if if I say was to do sit around and do nothing, and that the 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 time for me to feel comfort and and happiness in that situation would would require that i've got you know a bunch of things done or or my body is just like tired and i'm like okay just gotta just gotta chill just relax for for a little while Mm -hmm. okay i think there's a another way to describe it maybe this will help share the experience um it's more so you sit and you you if there is that tendency to so you be with every tendency as it is so to do stuff to do stuff and you gradually move the awareness back to that constant so 
I mean, the way I, another way to describe it is like the doingness is it's all transient. You do something, it's done. Okay. Satisfied. Now there's a the next thing to do. Do things, it's done. Okay. Satisfied. Oh, there's a the next thing to do. There's a the next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. So that's not really, there's never really peace from that because there's always a the next thing to do. There's always a the next thing to do. There's like a constant gratification satisfaction cycle, but then there's something else, which which is a bit, it's rarer because it's rarer to just take the time to just notice it. If you just recognize, you recognize that there's something that is constant in that um, background. There's something constant. There's this cycle of doing, but there's like a constant awareness of it, a constant, there's some element of you that is constant in all of this. And what it is, is it's like to just, when I am still, um, it's like I am with, I have time. I have made space to just be with that constant element of um, awareness and allow everything to, to kind of unfold. And then from that arises this like simple, really simple, but totally, totally, utterly unrecognized thing in hu humanity is just the recognition that I am aware just a simple recognition. And from that recognition, I would say is where the joy comes from. It's the joy of being aware, like the simplest joy, just recognizing that I'm aware. And that's where the joy comes from. <laughs> okay. There's, there's multiple facets to this, right? So yeah. I guess the first facet, the way I see life is that we're building something like okay. every single one of us is building mm -hmm. something. And, um, when I employ staff, when I talk to staff, when I talk to other people, I mentioned this and it's, it's about building something and, and sort of um, serving and creating and then looking back and going, in my opinion, the satisfaction is to look back and go, this is what I have created and this is what I have right. almost given to, to society, to a country to the world to the globe whatever it is mm -hmm. and i think that is sort of what well that's definitely what drives me but i think that's what drives or that's what should at its core drive people versus uh, some people get driven by what, it, what what looking back and going this is what i do for myself you know, these are the cars that I got. These are the people that I like slept with. These are the, these are the parties that I went to. Um, and that's sort of a, that's sort of what consumerism is driving you to do, right? Because all that requires you spending money and, and other people getting rich off you essentially. Mm -hmm. um, where I think if it, if you sort of distill it down, now this is relatively, this is a somewhat unpopular opinion, but a, a, a human life that just sort of exists in itself has as much value as like a baseline human value, but that's pretty sort of meh. Like it's a pretty, I don't know how to explain it. There's value to human life, but it's not, but it's, but the real value of human life is what the human does with its life. Uh-huh, I see. Okay, so that's do, you. Do, 
Do you sort of get yeah, what yeah. I mean there? I understand. I understand that. So we have this very, it's, and, and this is the thing, I don't believe in a God, etc. but I think we have almost this responsibility towards other people, um, responsibility towards uh, just, yeah, I mean, everyone who's existed and probably will exist to, to output value and joy, genuinely joy, um, as much as you can in your life. And that's how I see it. So right. um, to me, being still and being sort of doing nothing you're sort of wasting a gift, like a gift almost that you've mm. been given, which is, which is your existence that, so, so by doing nothing, like I think back. So when I was younger, um, we, we meaning my family and I lived in um, Bangladesh for three or four years. And that's like this thing that I think back to all the time, because back in Bangladesh, extreme poverty right and we saw that all the time and whenever i find myself in a moment of like either laziness or just like life is crap i think back and go hold up there's there's all these people who are struggling suffering who would kill kill to be in that position that i'm in no matter how sad my life is because i have enough money in the bank to have to, to feed myself for the, for the next day, whatever it is. So it's all this relative. It's all, so it's, I almost draw like, I mean, what would you call it? It's, it's, it's almost like I owe it to those people to mm-hmm. now, because I've been given a gift and like Make the most of your situation. Yeah, exactly. And but- no matter what situation you're in, I think there's a way of looking at it with, with some sort of value and then going out there and, you know, I think we actually have, value. we have the same, there's a lot of similarities. There's just some um, different, under, so I think from, from just from hearing you, it seems like both of us, um, what's important is service, is, is yeah. to ourselves, but to something other than ourselves uh, in terms of like this body, this personality, in, greater than this personality, greater than our own needs. Um, and service of that. And the only difference is the way we see that service. That's how I see it. Is it mm-hmm. you your services doing what you're doing now? And I just see my service right now in my life. The best way I can offer service to humanity is through the perfection of my own just stillness. So it's just a mm-hmm. difference. It's just, that's, mm-hmm. that's the only difference, but the same thing is the service. Yeah. So I think we've found that common ground of joy, um, which is service. <laughs> service, because like you said, when you're just doing that parties or where I've been, what I've done, and by I, like the little personality, then it do- it's just self-gratification, really. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, quite frankly, it feels not- nowhere as good as joy um, and serving others. So that's, that seems to be... Yeah, it sounds like it's the same thing, right? Serving others. That's yeah, what- yeah. And, and, and I want to, I guess, throw us some, something else in here as well that I've I mentioned to people when it comes to joy because a lot of people think that, um, or people that I've spoken to think that um, I have, 
you know, I like, I like things. I'm not, I'm not gonna sort of, I, I don't like yeah. to play that down. The fact that I like, I like things. Um, but I think a lot of people find it crazy that I, that I draw joy from things in a very weird way. Because if you, if you hear someone say, I draw joy from things, I bet your first response will be, well, that's, that's quite shallow, isn't it? That's quite, I mean, generally speaking, that's quite vain. Like, like what, what uh, do you mean? My response would just be that you've just, you draw it because you just projected onto it. That's it. I wouldn't judge anyone for it. No, no, sorry. That's not what I mean. It's just, yeah. I, I, I guess what I mean more of not, not, not necessarily the judging part of it, <laughs> but more the, um, yeah, you know, it's maybe misplaced or misunderstood. But then I sort of look at like, I love my car, but, but not because it's my car, but because of things like the knowledge of what that engine does when I put my foot in the accelerator, the the beauty of human and like ingenuity right. to engineer such a thing and like i genuinely draw so much value from just knowing what that engine is doing and what it's capable of doing not because i own it or anything like that but just just sort of tapping into like like you were talking about it's so cool what the vanderbilts did and and you know right, what yeah. rockefeller did for me like i look at that and go, that, that is so cool what you know, the original internal combustion engine was able to do, but then what these human brains over like years came up with. Yeah. I don't think that's vain at all. I think that's like a very important characteristic of joy um, in my life is just appreciation of, of what something of the essence of something. So you're, what looks like a car just, you know, it just looks like this metal hunk. You can see mm. the essence of what it took to make that and just appreciate it. I don't, I don't think that's vain at all. That's a very important quality of joy to just, well, for me, it's the same thing with like nature or absolutely anything. I just, whether it's a car, a house, anything, I can just look at something and just appreciate, wow, this is really like in a city skyline. Like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Oh, it's, it's, it's yeah. mind numbing when you think about <laughs> sort of what it's taken like your city skyline like very very good example like that is insane that you can step so far back that these you know hundred story buildings just become a, a silhouette and yet everything that you can see in front of you people have been able to like engineer innovate and create yeah um, but i think you know a lot of people though see i would say that you've sort of you you've i would say you've gone past past sort of the average mindset right um you probably agree with that and um but but the average mindset is oh you know what an idiot he thinks he's got a cool car so he like or what an idiot he's um spent so much money on the new iphone but maybe you're not buying the iPhone. Maybe what you're buying is what it can do and what it's taken, you know, all these people and the, and the, the, the intelligence and the innovation to create something that, you know, just fits in your pocket, but is so capable. <laughs> like, I don't know, to me, that's, maybe it's a geek in me. That's like, dude, like, 
That is insane. But, yeah. you know, it well, yeah. has an element of joy to it. I, I think that's a, that's a cool, a good distinction between uh, indulging and just appreciation. There, there is a difference, you know. I mean, if you have like a whole, probably if you have a whole 20 garage lot full of 20 race cars, <laughs> I mean, probably one is enough. Uh, at some point you start to indulge, but at another point it's just appreciation. At, I think it all, it's all, again, in context, it all depends on the context. Like, do you have one trillion phones or do you just have one or like, you know, mm-hmm. how do you hold it? Yeah. Like you can't, there's no like objective answer to me. There's just a, depends on how the person holds it in mind and how they view it, whether they appreciate it or whether they indulge in something is. Like and, and yeah. And, and, you know, also looking at thinking to yourself, okay, when I, when I do this, what am I, what am I obtaining from this? You know, if you buy the latest iPhone because you want to flash it around and your friends to go, Oh, cool. Is that the latest iPhone? Can I check it out? You know, maybe that's misplaced. If you're, if you're doing it so that, you know, you can, I don't know, um, experiment with a new sensor that's on it to create something. One, one could argue that there's more value and it's, it's, it's much less indulgent. It's much more, it's, it's more in line with serving than it is in line with indulging yourself and mm. self-gratification. Well, what's interesting is... Do you agree there? Yeah, well, the, when you buy something just and you have that quality of appreciation about it, first, indulgence, like you said, like, you know, latest thing, latest fad to, to keep up appearances. Well, in that case, you get the, you get the mild satisfaction. So you're like, okay, there's a satisfaction of, oh yeah, everyone's seen my plasma. Yeah. But then yeah. if you yeah. get the car just to appreciate it, then your appreciation is constant. And so it's a constant source of joy, but it's not the thing that's the source of joy. It's your appreciation of it. Yes. It's, actually, it's you. It's you who takes creates your, that joy. Creates almost. it from the thing. So the thing, mm. that's what I meant by like nurtures growth. That's what I, that's why I was trying to, find out if there's like a what's what's the most integrous way to advertise you know like mm-hmm. that that's what i meant i yeah it's it's hard to describe though for me i don't have quite that capability no, no, but but i think now i, I now get what you mean it's yeah, sort right. of almost look at almost look at the source of it right and I, and i and i try to do that even with like general emotions sort of what is the source of something is is a source of that emotion say jealousy well then that is not not a good thing is that source of uh, that emotion uh love and care and protection well then there's there's a lot more value that i can sort of place on that emotion that i'm feeling at that moment than if it was if it was because i'm jealous right mm-hmm. so it's i guess it's about understanding that and sort of looking at um looking at it sort of going what what is like or like money like we're talking about what is this money for is it so that i can shower myself with really expensive stuff or is it so that i can take like a bare minimum wage leave it in the business and use that money to help another client to help another business to go out and and deliver more services and create more happiness yeah so i think the the core from that is just like it's how you hold things in mind and how you see them that gives them the value and 
and is that source of joy. So if you hold money in mind with self-service, it'll just be a source of satisfaction. But if you have hold it in mind as a source of service um, to others, then it's like a constant source of joy, but you're that joy. It's you creating Mm. it through like the petrol. The yeah. feeding you. You're the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just top everyone else's tanks up with, and, yeah. and that's the way I see even something like this podcast and sort of the the thought processes that this can, this sort of even frank frank conversation can can sort of um, lead you down. Those thought processes to me is like fueling someone else's mind to sort of think about something else a little bit differently, or even sort of what you've mentioned and your dif- your differing opinions or different differing slightly different sort of perspective on on what i'm thinking has now led me to now think and sort of feel some thought that mm. that i can you know self validate um just just check like okay what was what was this about like you know what was my motivation what's the source of it so on and so forth yeah well, yeah, I think that's the, it's a cool one being able to hear other people's perspectives and trying to, to like, uh, to see the similarities, find the similarities, find where there has been a, a misunderstanding and then what is the shared thing. And then it's mm. cool to be able to see that the shared thing in spite of the different perspective is actually the same. I mean, at its core, it's just that it's expressed a bit differently and there's some differences in how how that is seen like in this example how it is seen how i see service and how you see service is just a bit different Mm. but like it's the same thing the intentionality is the same the yeah yeah not that i'm in yeah it's same same with you same as we see it differently yeah so that's the cool one i think that's another i think joy come naturally when you like understand others it's very easy uh, to be happy with others when you understand them um because then you i mean when you understand so i re- i really believe that if i mean to me it's really rational as well that if i was in someone's shoes like literally in their shoes so if i lived was raised in the same environment that they did they were raised in if i had the behavioral tendencies that they had then i would do exactly the same thing that they would do so therefore if some if there's a if there's conflict it's just because of misunderstanding i think that everyone there's like everything is everyone's just doing the best they can with what they have based on their belief systems it doesn't matter whether those belief systems are what are right or not it's the intention that like it's the intention that that matters like even with a case of someone who bombs a bus if they truly believe that that's the best way to that's they're, they're really, really doing the good thing here. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters to me is, is that understanding, trying to understand someone rather than trying to con, it's really easy to condemn. It's really easy to condemn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's important. Like you, you make a good point about that. And, you know, I've had conversations about very contentious sort of topics of, you know, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Um, did this or these kinds of people do these things? Like it's so, so bad. But, but like you mentioned, like if they believe that that is what they need to do, like genuinely, like you can't really fault that. Obviously you've got to, you've got to 
look at you know the damage that they're doing and sort of go that's not that's not good but you can't sort of because because like like you mentioned someone who bombed a bus for all they know that like their core beliefs everything that they were raised by they might whether how misconstrued it is is a different story but they might believe that this is what it takes and this is this is their their purpose and this is where their life ends for a for a very noble cause you can't you can't do anything about that. You know, you can't blame them for it because whether it's been brainwashed or whether it's been properly educated, like those are just two sides of the same coin. You just, it just depends, right? Like you go to a good Catholic school and come out of it. Some people go, wow, you enter a very prestigious school. Other people say, well, you were like conditioned for your whole life. You're like, you've been brainwashed. But that's just differing opinion. The yeah. outcome is the same. You're just looking at it from two different sides. Mm. Well, I think that's that's that right there. Because for a lot of people, it might be like, what? What do you mean? It's obviously horrible to blow up. <laughs> it was a bus full of children. But if you're, I mean, if you're able to, you can just look at it. If you're able to understand someone in those circumstances and actually be compassionate with them, then you're able to be compassionate with yourself under any circumstance as well. It's just by like recognizing to me, it's the inner, it's the intrinsic innocence of the human. That's what it is. When you recognize that intrinsic innocence within yourself, you have to recognize it within everyone. And the same goes vice versa, recognize it in others, yeah. recognize it in yourself. So if you judge someone, then you just misunderstand it because you just, there's no, for me, it comes down to, there's no, there's, we like to say should have, could have, would have, hypothesize, mentalize, rationalize. But all these things, if you really look at them, are just creations of the mind based on different belief systems. Yeah. The only thing that is, is what happened. And if that's what happened, then that's the best thing that, that's the only thing that did happen. That's the only thing that matters. It is the only thing that happened. So all you have to do is just try to understand, well, how is it? that happened when you understand that you see it's just the intrinsic innocence there's like all those famous oh, i don't remember where but you give me a boy f- until the age of seven and i'll get him to do anything like mm-hmm. you have that development age you can brainwash someone to do anything like the uh hitler youth you know they're just like the eagle scouts <laughs> they're doing all this stuff they had no idea what was going on so, mm-hmm. like so if you're able to see that then joy is so so easy because you can just like laugh at anything. That's what it is. You can just laugh. At it. You just be like, oh, okay. That's because I mean, for me, that's what it is. It's like, wow. So he thought that was the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're exactly. compassionate with that brainwashing, with that brainwashing. Yeah. 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 You, you sort of look at it and go, like, you go, I can understand how that person arrived at that conclusion. It's because of all these, this series of events that, that sort of brought them there. It doesn't make what they did correct or good, but like you say, you can't really condemn them because they they just like even even you look at friends and you sort of go, a friend might have double crossed you and you sort of go, like, okay, like, yes, that was not a good thing to do, but you can't really blame the friend who did that because they were desperate to impress someone else or get in with a different group or whatever and just came to the conclusion that this was the best way to do it you can't really blame them for it um but but you know it doesn't mean that you just forgive them and say yeah that's that's fine that you try to run me over with a car like that's that's okay but 
but at the same time you can't necessarily blame that human because i think like you said in intrinsic innocence there's also um i think everyone is good and generally speaking an, an individual's intentions are generally positive uh, or they start at a positive place and they're driven humans i think at their core are very much driven by happiness and whether it's seeing other people happy whether it's making other people happy um so on and so forth and it's just we start at that point so i don't think we start at neutral i think we start at innocent and and wanting to create positivity and happiness and then our life and our and our, and, our, and our truth sort of leads us down a path where that might change and that will be manipulated mm. well yeah i don't i also like of course we're innocent and loving at, at when we're born because that's how we get the programs in the first place is through unconditional trust in whatever we hear we have no choice but to be programmed with the programs. We like out of love and acceptance for our parents, the people around us we trust, we absolutely take their word and take on everything that we hear. We have no choice. So we, have and a- we don't have a baseline, right? We don't, we don't know what is right and wrong. We only know what we're told. Yeah. <laughs> and what we see is right and wrong. Like yeah. a baby doesn't start off knowing to that lying is bad or that lying is even an option like it's Mm. we started a yeah very interesting point i think yeah yeah i think for me as i've come to just understand these things um joy just comes naturally because and then you and then i start to just realize that everything else is just a really an illusion based on nothing true or like even blame um to like so okay so my analogy I would use is like a father or someone's beaten by his father. The first thing is to accuse blame to the father, but then you look, you just, you expand it into what's actually going on and you try to take account for all the variables, which of course you can't, but you look at it. Okay. The father was beaten by his father and then that father was beaten by his father and then so on and so forth. You know, that's the point for the analogy. And the whole point of that is to show that there's no, there's no, this victim and accuser. There's just humans doing whatever, they were programmed with really doing the best they can by their own innocent programming. And that's all there is. There's no, there is no blame. There is no, there are no victims and there are no perpetrators. That's just like a label. There's no such thing. There's just humans. Well, it's a very easy way to think about it. That's all it is. Mm. Like all we've done is across society, distill things down to very easy, easy to understand like things and differences. Um, Just like we're told that, you know, there's right and wrong, but as we all know, there isn't just right and wrong. Um, and there isn't just, you know, how many of the colors of the rainbow, for example, but we distill it down. What is it? Seven colors of the rainbow. We distill it down so that there's seven colors in the rainbow. Fact is there isn't seven colors in the rainbow. There are way more than seven colors, but it's way easier to teach seven colors of the rainbow than it is to teach, you know, infinite colors of the rainbow um, and at every point in society that's all we've done right we've just we've just distilled it down to to what is convenient what is easy um to to educate and to to sort of share between individuals and or, or even there's this element of like you listen to um like i love tech and you listen to uh, a certain youtube channel and youtuber that 
is all about talking about tech at this higher level and you listen to someone else who talks about the same thing and what they can convey is almost completely different because of because of their level of knowledge and all we've done is across society very much just talk at this baseline that is completely in some cases completely different to the actual truth but it's just distilled down to make it easy for everyone mm. Yeah, and then that just leads to misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To a lot of misunderstanding and not to joy, not to joy. No, no, because you can manipulate that stuff, right? Like when you distill something down to such a small part of what it's all about, it's very easy to then manipulate that, that because you've only got, I don't know, 1% of the fact. It's very easy to manipulate 1% of the fact versus to manipulate even 50% of the fact because because 50% of the fact is already way more true than 1% of the fact. Mm. Um, and th- that's what it's all about. I think it's, just, it's all those layers are arguably just manipulation into making people think differently and think that this thing is good and this thing is bad or this color is more friendly or fast or makes me hungry or whatever it is. Yeah. Even good and bad, you know, like that's all completely dependent on the context, what of the culture of what you ex- like something, an event in, in your life. I like the general thing that you don't know. Embrace all your experiences because you don't know which one. At the end of the day, you don't know which are good and which are bad until you're at, at the end. I think they're all good, personally. Yeah, well, there you go. Exactly. All I don't, I, I, opportunities, right? Well, like, I know, I know you hear It's sort of corny. It's sort of like this cliche of like, um, you know, the whole like there are no, no wrong, what is it? No wrong questions. Um, or no wrong answers. I can't remember. What, I can't remember what the no what dumb term questions. was. I know no, no dumb questions. questions. Yeah. There you go. Stupid questions, right? It's to me. It's sort of in a in a similar vein. In that all experiences are experiences. You can't really go good or bad. Uh, you can re- you can decide how you react to them in the moment. But sort of overall, you look back and go. And again, like because everything that happened to me has led me led to me being right here right now Mm. and therefore if i label things as good or bad it's a butterfly effect i think if you remove one of those bad experiences from from a year ago i might not be here right now talking to you yeah yeah so you can't like you can't i don't think you can have good or bad experiences i think they're just all experiences that's that's totally and they're good (laughs) if if anything they're good well, Definitely they're good. not bad. Yeah, well, they're all just opportunities. Depends on how you use them as well. Like, you, two people can be in the same, have uh, undergo the same circumstances and take away something completely different from it. It's mm. all just depending on. And who's to say something that seems really horrible at the time can later seem like the savior of your life? <laughs> you know, like hitting bottom. It's like where people finally make that decision to to leave to change. That's what some people need just to hit bottom. Um, but yeah, it's been really, dude, it's been really cool to speak about. I think I, I'm getting a clearer understanding of what this podcast is about. Cause I really hadn't, I'm just, I just saw this mic and I'm like, let's make a podcast. I think it's just about <laughs> nice. getting that perspective, uh, everyone's perspective and starting to stitch together the similarities, um, mm-hmm. similarities of people's perspective and just to show to show that everyone's like the same in, in essentially if, if I can get that across <laughs> through this podcast that everyone's like pretty much the same, I think that would be a pretty good, pretty good thing. 
for joy at least because it's when you know when you when you see that everyone's just like you then you see that they're all going they're all exa- going exactly through your go- what you're going mm-hmm. all those secrets and things they have the exact same ones they have that same feelings around it it's just the content is different the context is exactly the same they got the same shit different smell <laughs> yep same shit yep. different smell. yeah so that's that's a cool one well yeah dude we started one one way and then we ended up in this one i like this one yeah no it's been fun it's been good awesome all right dude thanks for joining me no thanks thanks for having me on like i said yeah really really uh enjoyed it Mm. well i have one segment um what is in your perspective from by by your experiences is there anything one thing you can give the listeners to create the simplest action to create more joy in their lives. Yeah. My favorite thing is, I guess what I touched upon with the car and the engine um, is to look at everything, I guess, drill down into things in your life and you'll realize that there are a lot of things that, that just add a little bit of joy. Like um, for me, it starts from the moment I get out of bed put my foot feet on the carpet and the carpet's not cold. It's sort of this nice fluffy carpet, just small things like that. Like that, that nice feeling on my feet, um, going and saying hi to my dog in the morning, getting in the car and, and closing the door, hearing a solid thud. It's just, it's <laughs> weird stuff, but it's, that's, that's what I would recommend. You look, just drill down into, into the small things, you know, like, um, for me, like, again, being a geek, when I type on a keyboard, um, depending on the keyboard, like a nice keyboard, that's a really nice, satisfying feeling because I can feel like a, a crisp button press. Like, it's just stuff like that that uh, just very weird, very small, but I think um, it's why I struggle to be unhappy. And um, and generally, I would say that I'm quite a joyful guy because I just... I don't know. I just enjoy like even even the, this, this is getting into very like very, very tiny <laughs> stuff. Right. But like the um, the lock on the front door work. It's a it's called a swing bolt, and it's a very hardcore bolt back. And I love it because it's just <laughs> it's just crisp. Made the perfectionist in me. Made the OCD guy in me. But I'm like that is a beautiful like like click when I open the door and just stuff like stuff like that. Um, so yeah, my whole thing I think is to just look, drill down into the into the little things that 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 make up your whole experience. Um, there are so many little things in in your everyday that you can just be thankful for, or you just you just enjoy and and look at and um, and just think back to what it what it's taken to get to that point. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. All right, thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening. If you like this, then you can follow the Facebook page. I have a Facebook page, Joyfulness Broadcast, so you can get notified of the latest uh, uploads. Otherwise, this should be on like every podcasting station with Anchor. So give this a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcast station you use. Follow on Spotify if you use Spotify. And otherwise, I'll see you next time. Thank you.